This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Welcome to My Worst Date. I'm Cassie. I'm Keegan. I'm Christina. Well, we are very excited because we will actually be seeing each other live and in person very soon. I know. This is the longest we've been apart. I know. Yeah, it cannot come soon enough. I'm really ready. I'm tired of recording in this room by myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's no fun. You two are at least together. That is true. At least that is at least we do that. But it's still it's still weird not having like the whole dynamic. Yeah. The three of us together. The day after this episode comes out, though, we are actually going to be having our live show. So tomorrow, for anybody who's listening as it drops, we are having our live show in Austin. So if you're in the Austin area, let us know. Come see us. Yeah. You can find all the details about our show on our website, mywarstatepodcast.com. Uh, if you go to our events, you'll see where you can get tickets, where it is, what time, all of that stuff. So um, you can also check out and follow Outlier. That's the organization that is putting on the event. They're a great podcast group to follow and like and share and do all the things for. <laughs> so Yeah, specifically yeah. for independent podcasters, yep. which is something that's, you know, we've been since day one. So it's been really exciting to be part of that. Speaking of independent podcasters, I have to talk about I shared something on TikTok, which was like, what is the worst pickup line? And it stuck to me because I have been out of town this week. I was in Sedona, Arizona, which I mean, that's a whole nother magical conversation. But I, I was with a bunch of like, it was for a hair company, right? So I was just thinking about like some of the weirdest stuff. And when I travel, I feel like I have a specific group of of guys, I think, that are attracted to me. And that tends to be the business class guy who is at the airport who sees pink hair and knuckle tattoos and thinks, you look like a good time. Oh, down to clown. Yeah. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I absolutely 100% never get approached because my face looks like a Wolverine. Oh, no, no, no. It does not. Like the meanest person of all time. <laughs> I do not get approached on a regular basis anywhere except for at airports, specifically travel, specifically hotels. When I'm out of town, it's like it's like a guy sees me and is like, you look like you'd be fun. My wife's no fun. And so I literally Ooh. specifically, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. that's the kind of uh, vibe. I'm not saying yes. that that's... Uh, it's yeah. like that that dude bro that we met at... um. Uh-huh. <gasps> at the podcast yes. convention yes yes, yes. 100% who was uh-huh. literally told us a story about his wife 15 seconds before he opened tinder and was swiping in front of us well and again like i know we said this on the podcast before but it was on a whole nother level because it wasn't just like he was swiping and like we happened to look over his shoulder and see that he was swiping no he asked for our assistance yeah it yeah. was so gross actively engaged us yeah yeah 
But so with that being said, it's when you tell people, because inevitably when you're on a ro- on the road, people are like, oh, what do you do for a living? How do you end up? How do you get to travel for work is, is normally the conversation piece, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a hairdresser. So I work for a hair color company, da, 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 you know, the spiel. Inevitably, inevitably, the very next statement out of every guy's mouth is, oh, what are you going to do? What would you do with this? And touches their own lack of hair or hair, whatever. Oh, what would you do with this? (laughs) You're not funny. You're not funny. That's not a pickup line. Just a note. Like if you meet a hairdresser in the field, that is not, that's not it, dude. Not original. it, It makes me think of the TikTok, Keegan, that you did where you were talking about the guy that came to pick you up that you were working. Right. At a, at a bar. You know, and and somebody like sits down and starts talking to you and you received a couple like hashtag not all men. Like, oh, yeah, quite a couple a <laughs> who were like upset about the fact that you took umbrage at somebody like not respecting your boundaries. <laughs> and I'm just like, right, <sighs> because, you know, the thing is. I don't know. I got, I mean, we talked about this last week, but like I got quite a few people who were like, well, it's a public space. And I was like, when was the last time you sat down in someone else's booth that you didn't know? And I had people defending that in the comments being like, well, they can sit wherever they want. It's not your table. It's not your booth. And I'm like, but it is. I feel like there is a social contract that exists in the yes. world that's like these things shouldn't need to be explicitly said that like this yeah. table is my table it is different if you are sitting at a bar and there's an open seat next to you right like you can sit down next to someone at a bar because the bar is not your personal space but like a For table sure. is or a booth is you know put it into terms that they would understand i know there's like a urinal code for guys yeah like yeah it's don't a public go urinal you don't go to the urinal next, right next to somebody. Hey, guess what? You're not going to go sit and pee in the same urinal with somebody else. Right? <laughs> exactly. Because that, that's even more equivalent, right? Because it's right. just like you can make whatever, you can say whatever about the urinal next to you because you're like, okay, well, you're not actively using it even though there's like a social code that's like, okay, that's weird. I feel that right. way about bathroom stalls too. Like I'm like, yes, if, I do if the this same entire thing. Yep. bathroom is empty and yes. you choose the Pick stall the one next directly to me, right next to next me. <laughs> Honestly, fuck that. That's what? assault. That's but assault. If, but if they got in the stall <laughs> with you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to me, that's kind of the same. I'm like, yes. I'm in a booth by myself. This is my booth. This is my bathroom yeah, stall. Sit in the Stop table it. next to me. That's fine. <laughs> that is fine. But yeah, what is wrong with people? What would you, someone came into your <laughs> I'd be like, I, I, no, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> Which, like, how would they even? Are they like, it's like a horror movie. They're just like <laughs> crawling in underneath the <laughs> Like, oh, no. like the, the fucking grudge or something. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever oh. opened the uh, opened a bathroom stall door on someone? Or oh, yes. had them open the it worst. on you? Both, <laughs> both <laughs> for sure. Inevitably, it's a living nightmare. It's the oh worst. my god! And it's like you see nothing. Like you. there's nothing you've seen or no, that you, person sees. It doesn't matter. But you it's wipe just so your you do a Men in Black situation. Yep. The second mm-hmm. if you if you're washing your hands next to that person, neither of you looks I've at each other or addresses it at all. Yep. Dude. First encounter was right now at the sink. Yep. That's yeah. it. I uh, when I went back to Ohio, I got so like 
many gastro problems from just like eating Midwestern. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So much we, cheese. We were yeah. in, we were in the uh, Kroger uh, trying to get more Midwestern food in my body because as much as it doesn't agree with me, I it's wanted delicious. way more of it. Yeah. You got to um, get it in while you can. I mean, mm. when I'm here visiting, I will regularly have Andy's frozen custard plug it, like for dinner like i'll just be like i i need a sunday frozen custard egg yolks okay please <laughs> so i'm in this kroger and i'm like all of a sudden you know that feeling that gurgle time where you're like mm-hmm. we're on the countdown now yep. like houston yeah launch, yeah, launch in 10 three minutes yeah like yeah. so i make a beeline for the bathroom and i mean it is like machine gun kelly in oh, the no. toilet no it's, <laughs> awful that is very audible (laughs) popping sound like i just unloaded a whole clip into this toilet and the worst part about it is i just ran into the first stall available there was someone in the stall next to me and i i felt like i committed a crime against them (laughs) and i'll tell you what i unashamedly i like finished as quickly as i could and i I didn't even wash my hands, ladies. Oh, I would oh. say I ran out of that bathroom because oh. I couldn't come face to face with my the stall person. I didn't You're want like, her to know. To leave immediately. Like, we had to, to get out of this Kroger. Oh no! <laughs> so I would die. I would die. I mean, I think I've almost put myself in the hospital holding it in. Oh no! You know, to avoid a situation yes. exactly no. like that. Like I was, like, I'm just like, no, no, no. Just <laughs> like at work, streaming down your face. Oh, oh, my, oh my god! god. We're, we're facing return to office right now. Oh yeah. That's we're going to have to go floors. back three days a week, starting pretty soon. But and I'm like, if you, if that situation happens to you. At, mm-hmm. You go to another floor. That's like right. I'm like, this can't happen yes. on the floor with people that I work no. with. That's exactly Absolutely. right. Absolutely, that is exactly right. You yep. would have to. I I feel the same way, and I I don't know if I could handle office because now my body is used to being able to shit freely. <laughs> yeah. uh, remote work has allowed my body to shit when I want it to, yes. instead of being like routine like is to shit before work i mean that, that's a real thing like that is something not enough people are talking about <laughs> i think i think it's the you reason why people come to our podcast honestly yeah. we're talking about the <laughs> real you know issues. Here, here here it is you guys who needs men's podcasts when you have us over here just talking about shit literally yeah Oh yeah. my god! Oof. Oh well, okay. Oh my gosh! So this conversation started talking about pickup lines, right? And I know you wanted to talk about um, because Spark My Interest podcast, which is a great podcast, love those ladies over there. They responded to you on TikTok, didn't they? Yes. So one of them responded. Well, so two of the the hosts on that show are twins, and the response we got was from one of them, and they were like, "Uh, yeah." So. The worst, absolute worst, is when a guy says, you know, is into you and they ask you out, but you're not into them. So you say no and they're like, oh, well, but is your sister? Oh, my uh, God. Awful. Right. Like we're a carbon copy of the same person. I'm Disgusting. sure twins get Ugh. the worst pickup yeah. lines. I feel like if you have anything, anything, because this is how people are, but specifically because in it's my personal experience, this is how men are. Um if you have anything that like could be fetishized, 
Oh God. Yes. Your pickup lines are going to get the number of racial, like racially specific pickup lines Ugh. I've gotten. Uh, or, you know, even like, like curly hair. Like yes, there's, I get, I get the hair. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And yeah. so twins, I can't even, Oof. I can't, I, I, there was a period I'm sure throughout all of time, but I remember specifically when all that like bro humor was really happening in the early two thousands. There was a time when like twins, in those like bro movies, like mm. eh, like th- they were sexualized to oh, yeah. such oh, yeah. a degree that like I cannot imagine what that must be like. I've never understood why people would be like want like a threesome with twins. I'm Ugh, like they're sisters, siblings. To it's weird. It's weird, right? It's very disgusting. It's very very weird. Yes, <laughs> it's so weird. We um so this week. I have made a list for Eric. My uh, partner is a big like cinephile, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of movies that I missed in the late 90s, early 2000s because of my job. So I had never seen like Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Or what have you. But when we're looking through it, we were looking through a lot of those early 2000s movies. And I was like, what was happening here? <laughs> How did we survive this? Because it was it is a messy the most time. Fucking absolute misogynist craziness that has ever yeah. existed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was such a weird time because it was like after or like on the tail end of like the third wave feminism movement. And I don't know if it was like a backlash to that or what it was, but like the amount of just very casual and looking back really extreme misogyny that was happening yeah uh, in media in the early 2000s that we all just kind of like accepted and internalized is wild like yeah. truly wild yeah what a time to be alive you know i was just listening to um i was feeling nostalgic and i was just i put my chemical romance on shuffle And I was just like listening to my chemical romance today, which I love and still love. But also that like that it's not misogynistic, but the amount of like romanticizing like death Mm. (laughs) that we were doing at that time, too. I'm just like I was just casually singing about wanting to unalive myself like every day. (laughs) (laughs) That goth. Like it was like emo. Emo. Yeah, Yeah. it was is different from goth culture. The emo emo kids the hot yes. topic kids yeah that yes. was me oh my god oh my god <laughs> that hair oh my god somebody posted like uh it was, like, yeah, it was oh just like uh my high school yearbook 2005 and it was just it's like just side part side no part, one could see part. no one, no one could, could see, see and nobody like everyone's see. hair was in their face constantly and then like there were like extremes right and i wanted it so bad but i couldn't because my hair is curly but that big tease like almost like 80s big like scene hair yes like the deep side part and then yeah. like big and then you'd put like raccoon oh pomade like oh my to god make it sticky and chunky <sighs> straight it was, it was like a fucking razor blades on the end of your yes. hair yeah you wanted to look like a naruto character like a hundred percent it yes. was very anime inspired aesthetic mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very much gosh it's so wild dude I think we have to FMK this week, like early 2000s bro comedy characters. Bro Ooh, comedy. Like, like Stifler from American oh, Pie. Oh, Jesus. No. Okay. Wow. Uh, 
We got we got movies like American Pie. Yes. Road Trip. Yes. Okay. Oh, dude. Brecken Meyer was like Brecken Meyer was the dude, dude in that. He was just short king. He was he was in that Jason Biggs as a career due to these movies. Yeah. Yep. It's so 100%. true. 100%. Oh my gosh, what a time. God, road trip. Do you remember like, all the National Lampoon like things that oh, came out? Oh yeah, that time? Ryan Ugh. Reynolds. Remember oh, his, his beginnings was not it, rocky. Well, it was rocky. Oh, the yeah. origin story is waiting. You remember yeah, that? Do you know yes. how many like big big time celebrities now want you to forget the Oof. years two thousand to two thousand five? Like yep. they're oh, just like don't go back. Two thousand ten. Don't. I think there's a whole decade there. They're like you know that just didn't. Happen, don't look right? too closely at anything that was going on over here you know yep. Yep. um let's keep the odds out of this okay <laughs> yeah okay oh, gosh not a bro no i'm gonna try and think of an actual bro because like when i think of these movies i always think of like super bad or um oh. i got one. Oh, okay okay dane cook Oh, <laughs> he is! Oh my the God! I just had boy of full that body experience decade. No, wow. okay, chills. hold on, hold on. I hold saw on. the chills go through you. Yeah. Oh my God! Like my my, I just feel like someone hit me in the chest with a sledgehammer. What a time! Um. So Dane, Dane Cook, I will I will counter your Dane Cook with um. Because he was kind of like the alternative version of Dane Cook, but okay. also very problematic. Please tell me my bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. <laughs> oh, Tom Green. I, Russell Brand. Oh, <laughs> yes. Shit. Russell Brand in that time period, he Touché. was like, he was the spiky anime hair version. British version. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Who was like really smart, but made you feel like a fucking idiot and treated women kind of like disposable Awful. objects. So, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do Tom Green then. Oh, so we got. Oh I mean, that's God. the trifecta: Dane Lord. Cook, Tom Green, Russell Brand. I am upset. Fuck Mary <sighs> Kill. I am upset by this. <laughs> it's awful. I'm gonna K myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Unalived. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Oh no. Oh, no. I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. Well, I know for a fact, I feel like I have to kill Russell Brand, which is <sighs> he's mm-hmm. just gotten so into conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and very much like leaned into that bro culture in yeah. a different way. And he masks yeah. it with quote unquote intellectualism and yep. feminism. Yep. Which both of the all of the things he's saying are not intellectual or f- feminist no. at all. Um, so I think he's dangerous. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna K mm-hmm. Russell Brand for sure. Mm. And I feel like the other two were definitely what they were in the early 2000s, but have made strides to distance themselves from that to some extent. Maybe I mean, how old is Dane Cook's girlfriend? Like 19? Oh, is right. Awful. He's awful. Oh, and have no. you seen him lately? <laughs> wow. Oh. And you know I love plastic surgery. You know I'm I'm here for it. Make yourself look the way you want, but it's yes anyway. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh gosh, no, Christina has to reevaluate her whole life right oh, now. Oh no, yeah. Oh my God. Who do you Dane Cook is on TikTok. Marry? I feel like you need to see him. Oh my god, I do. <laughs> Oh no. 
listen i have to i have to see i have to see a picture um i think i am going to marry tom green because as much as his stick is annoying i do feel like in real life i think that he's the best of the three i do too Mm, honey that so you're looking at a picture of dane cook yeah it's uh I had forgotten that he was dating a a child. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think that Tom Green of the three is the best person, maybe? Question mark. I don't really know very much about him as a person. Right. So I'm not sure I could say. I do know that um, he's got something going for him because... Drew Barrymore married him, however briefly, and right. she's a she's a Pisces queen. So I I feel like I yeah. too will marry Tom Green. And they sang karaoke at their wedding, which I'm like, oh, uh, I love that. Sold. Um. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know. I do feel like it would be a short lived marriage because he would start to get on my nerves. Um. Yeah. But maybe he's mellowed out as he's gotten older. Like, nah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he has. Uh, the other two, this is really hard for me. Um, I I really liked Russell Brand in the early 2000s. Again, so much internalized misogyny was happening at that time for me. Um, and I really liked him and I really thought that he was really smart and interesting. And I actually do think that he is intelligent to some degree, just, just IQ wise. I think his IQ is probably pretty high. Right. Um, but... Because of that, I He's think that he would be Oof. insufferable, Oof. insufferable. So I'm trying to think of like, who could I get through a night with more easily, Dan Cook or Russell Brand? I mm. I think I think I will do the deed with Dane. I, I do. It's, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I don't like it and i hope it's <laughs> over fast i think it will be i think it will be oh you know what actually you just sold me you just sold me because i feel like of the two of them russell's gonna go all like, day it's gonna you're be right be like damn. a tantric situation you, wait, wait where have i turned you guys into me <laughs> only with people i don't only like with like, people i don't like because i love a marathon sex session like i'll ugh. get down for the long haul like yeah but not with gatorade by the by the bed but yeah <laughs> dane cook <laughs> not with just... dane cook and not with russell brand no. so i'm gonna do yeah. uh, the gatorade by the bed yeah you gotta get some pedialyte ready <laughs> oh no oh no this sounds awful hydration <laughs> uh so for that reason i'm gonna um fuck dane cook uh, and Oof. kill russell brand uh just be- just that's really the only the only thing yeah, dude, we looked up recent pictures of Tom Green. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. kind of a zaddy. Yeah, he oh. is. I I've actually been following him, and mm-hmm. he is like farmer farmer zaddy now. Like, oh, he's long hair. We are beard. gonna have yeah. a great time. And, We're gonna plant a garden. Like a, tomatoes. A strong liberal. I, I'm I'm down with that. Like, he's amazing. Yeah. So I yeah, so without question. No yeah, yeah, without question, <laughs> I'm gonna marry Tom Green. Uh, he is definitely, and I still think he's still got that like kind of annoying humor. It's gonna be weird. I hate all of this, honestly. I if it was any other grouping, it's not my it's not my go to. Right, <laughs> I'm gonna say it. But oh god, the Dane Cook, Dane Cook is 
I cannot. He's so gross looking now. Oh, <laughs> he is. He he is. I'm sorry. Like he is gross. He looks like stretch salami face. <laughs> <laughs> stretch salami. It's awful. That is. Dude. But you know what? Alliterative. We know descriptive. We know exactly what you're talking about. We know exactly what you're talking about. Like when you see a sausage eyes cut out. Yeah, when you see a sausage that's just gotten filled just a little too much, and you can see it, it's just like I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like the casing is going to split. (laughs) Yeah, his casing is going to split very soon. (laughs) It's 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 very tight. No, um, and bloated, and um, yeah, Mm. he is honestly, and he's awful too. Like honestly, he's like notoriously stolen jokes. He's all comedians pretty much fucking hate him he's he's kind of a piece of shit and always has been i don't know how he ever became famous because it it was 2003 yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's why you know god and for that reason alone i hate russell brand but look there's no there's no winning there's no there winning isn't. in this situation, so it's okay. Honestly, <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't want to fuck Dane Cook because he bums me out so bad. Like it's just he's so disgusting to me. Okay, he's so fucking disgusting. I, to I me. do feel like he would be a bummer. Like that's what yeah. you need to get in and out because Ugh. he's gonna start talking to you about his glory days the second it's over. Ugh. And like, oh, there's also a type of funny guy who's funny to get chicks but also hates them yes. oh yeah dane cook is one of those yeah you know what i mean i went dane to cook hates women with a with a few of of those people who were like funny nice guys or Ugh. whatever but it's just like they were awful to date yeah yeah because yeah. they actually didn't like women they secretly harbored like this anger and hatred towards them so Ooh, god i don't wee. even want to be near that guy like he just seems so fucking awful to me yeah so yeah as much as i don't love it russell brand one of my least favorite people you could at least come back to me and tell me all the yeah. weird conspiracy oh, theories. Oh yeah. my god! Honestly, I'm like, I might be hear worth all it. of them. It'd definitely be more yeah. interesting that's for that. For sure. It really would be more interesting. I almost said Russell Brand just because I'm like, one look, I don't like it, and I definitely don't love his like um, worldview in any way. We're very like opposite in that way, but yeah. I do feel like in one night with Russell Brand would be far more interesting. I'd have far more to talk about than. I- he reminds me he reminds me of my brother and the way that like my oldest brother is was an aeronautical engineer worked for nasa incredibly intelligent super smart almost too smart you know what i mean Mm. like so smart that he starts too much yeah right just you don't it's not not everything's conspiracy not everything some people dig so yeah. deep, they get so deep that they come yeah. out the other side. And I yeah. think that that's like Russell Brand is just like, if you think yourself into a hole, yes. you're going to come out the other end. And then it's like, you've done, you've gone too far. You've I too swear, far. though, people that are the biggest conspiracy theorists have never really had to deal with the government, I think. Because <laughs> like anytime you go to a government so building, the yeah. idea that any of these motherfuckers are getting anything done, 100%. especially like a world changing conspiracy. I'm like, it took a fucking year and a half for my divorce paperwork to make it through Stanley Mosque. So I guarantee you there's not a like cabal of people like controlling <laughs> yeah. the world. These people. Yeah. I'm sorry. My, my it dude, just have is you, what it is. Yeah. Like, my guy, have you ever had to go in person to pay a parking ticket before? 
what? <laughs> I had one parking, to, like not even a parking. It was like a driving violation that I had to like actually go in to a building to take care of. And I had to go back like three different times mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just like, oh, well, now you need to fill out this form or, oh, you need to come back this day or this thing is closed. And I'm like, they Jesus. don't have the organizational capabilities to pull off. <laughs> like we're talking like world level cabal shit. And I'm like, no, dude, I've been inside government buildings. Everyone's just trying to do their job and get the fuck home. Like nobody yeah. gives a fuck. Like it's yeah, so you've been to a DMV. It's, <laughs> stop it. Stop. Stop it. Jesus. Oh wow. my gosh. Well, well, that I hated. I hated that. FMK. Yep, yep, um, yep. I, hated it a lot but what i don't hate <laughs> i hated it a lot <laughs> um is that we have a new patron so i want to give a big shout out to tammy sitnik um welcome to our patreon family ooh, ooh. we are so excited to have you joining us on patreon and i also want to take this opportunity to say that because i am out of town and have been out of town kind of like for a while we have gotten a little bit backed up on sending patreon rewards because you know we need to all be together to write out your love notes and get those in the mail um and so because of that we've been a little bit delayed so just be patient we haven't forgotten about you if you haven't received um your sticker or your pin or what have you those will be coming very very shortly we are prioritizing it and we appreciate your patience so so much yes yeah well you guys want to take five and we'll come back with stories sounds good. yeah and we're back okay i have the tainted love this week so i will kick us off with stories I was in this guy's living room after a blind date trying to make a fun and whimsical conversation while my date was in the kitchen doing I have no idea. <laughs> and and I picked up a magic eight ball. You know, the toy you <laughs> ask questions and it gives you answers and a die shaped in blue ink. The printed answers are something like, yes, no, ask again. It's a bit hazy. You know, something noncommittal. Okay. So I shook the magic eight ball and as what I thought would be a fun icebreaker and get to know him, I told my blind date to ask a yes, no question. He did. I shook the ball. Don't remember the question. Something harmless. Then he emerged from the kitchen, saw me holding the magic eight ball, leapt across the living room <gasps> like he was auditioning for the male understudy for Barishnikov. Boing, oh, boing, Jesus. boing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh God. And grabbed the toy from my hands, held it under my eyes, and yelled at me, Don't you know how dangerous this is? You don't oh. mess with black magic. Oh. <laughs> Why is it in your house? What? He was incredibly angry and started <gasps> admonishing me. He was very upset and started spewing on and on about how could I do that to him? What? It's Um, your house, bruh. (laughs) I answered first, if it was so dangerous, why was it in your house? No answer. Very first question. (laughs) If you hate it this much, bro, it's in your house. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and second, you do realize it was made by Mattel, right? <laughs> he informed me that he was a pagan and that I couldn't understand the danger I had put him in by living in a house that was now infected by the dark magic of the magic eight ball. <laughs> oh, my no. Dude, what? If you are that I'm so confused, head up about it, why is it in? 
It, I, well, I, I don't know. She's at his house. Maybe he keeps I'm it for dark rituals or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Uh, and asked me to leave. When I turned to leave, he asked me to kiss him to nope. make up for what I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, immediately yeah, what yeah. I want to do after being chastised by my date. For using a toy that was in your living room. Um, Jesus. Yeah, that's a hard pass. Later, on, later, I won a radio contest call-in show where they asked listeners to call in with what's your worst blind date. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's a contest I wish I'd lost. Here's a tip that I can give people as a result. When on a blind date or any date, don't excuse bad behavior or think that they have a weird sense of humor or are testing you. Stop justifying being polite and trying to make the best of it. Go home, get away from them, totally ghost them. Change your number if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's oh. great advice. Uh, honestly, if someone's going to yell at you on a first date. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. I mean, and I think she had said um, also that he had been odd before that. Like she'd known like kind of since the beginning of the date that like this guy was a little off, but she kept like justifying his weird behavior. And then it was just like, you know what? No need. You don't have yeah. to go back to this guy's house just yeah, to be no. polite. Like that guy that got really weird. Uh, at me asking what he did for a living. <gasps> oh my yeah. god, that's right. I forgot about that this guy. Is so innocuous of a question. <laughs> it's same as like the magic eight ball. It's like oh, it's in his house. It's cute, quirky, and it's a toy. I would have done the same thing. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Bizarre. You can't keep me away from a magic eight ball. <laughs> I think they're fun. Oh hell yeah. Well, and the devil. Me too. It, so. <laughs> <laughs> the devil makes it fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, there's the title of that. <laughs> it's title of my life (laughs) amazing okay Okay. all right so i got this submission um from a longtime listeners of ours and you know trigger warning there is um abuse in this story um but i wanted to share it because i think it's important there's a lot of stuff in the news right now about abuse and i think it's just a a topic that I think that we need to talk about every once in a while because it happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, she says, I've been debating on telling this story. It's not so much of a worse state as a worse relationship. It wasn't all bad, but I think this is a cautionary tale. Mm. That's that what right there, that statement, not to like cut it from the beginning, but that statement says everything about many abusive relationships, which is that it is not all bad. Because if it was all bad, you wouldn't have been there. Right. right. That's I think the it's thing that keeps you in it. Pretty much yep. all abusive relationships, I That's would right. say. Mm-hmm. It's just because like, yeah, it's not. You wouldn't choose to be with someone right off the bat if it was all bad all the time from the beginning, you know? Right. No. Yeah. That's not how it works. So, yeah, she met him off of OkCupid about a decade ago. Uh, I was 21. He was 28. Our relationship started fast. We quickly moved in together and started a life together. For the most part, things were good. We got along really well, shared similar worldviews, could talk about deep, important things, and it seemed like we would last forever. Was he Russell Brand? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. We, We would have minor spats, but they wouldn't be something I would deem as arguments, just minor disagreements. We were great for about three years. And then we had our first real argument. Hmm. And he got so mad, he slapped my arm. 
Nothing mm-hmm. big. It didn't even hurt. But I had told him at the beginning of the relationship that physically touching me during an argument was a deal breaker for me. Yeah. He was immediately contrite and immediately sorry. We talked it out. He agreed to never do that again. And we moved on. About a year later, he got so mad during an argument, he threw a glass at the wall. Another uh. big discussion followed. We agreed to be better. We moved on. Instances like this popped up every now and then for several years, but they were so sporadic that it seemed like non-issues. Every time we would talk it out, make eye contact, shake hands, agree to be better. Then the worst two weeks of the relationship happened. At this point, we are 31 and 38. So they've been going out for like a decade. Mm -hmm. Wow. And this happened so sporadically. Yeah. So, I yeah, I have a lot to talk about at the end, but. On a warm late April day, we decided to go get groceries. He was driving. I was the passenger. He informed me that he wanted to get groceries, then go out to eat. I said I would prefer to eat first and get groceries after. He said he didn't understand why this was a big deal. I said I was likely going to get things that needed to be refrigerated and would prefer the food not sit in the car while I took time to eat. Right. That makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. I also don't like to go to the grocery store hungry. Yes, definitely. There's like... Yeah, the whole thought process behind that. There was a bit of back and forth until I eventually just said, fine, you go get your groceries and then eat. I'm going to eat and then get my groceries. We can meet at the car afterwards. He went silent. His hands tightened on the wheel. When the light we were at turned green, he slammed on the accelerator, and weaved around Mm-mm. the cars around us. Nope picking up more and more speed, then swerved across three lanes of traffic straight towards a car stopped at a red light. When we got close to a car, he slammed on the brakes so hard, his car fishtailed a bit and the tires squealed. I was slammed into the locked seatbelt and he sat next to me panting. I was shaken, but more angry than anything. Yeah, I felt humiliated as people stared at the car. I honestly can't remember exactly what I said after that, but I did tell him that it was abusive for him to do that. Yes. Yeah. He argued he was just being a jerk, but no. not being abusive. No, sorry. No. You're putting me in a dangerous situation involuntarily whenever I have I, I have no say or power in this situation. I can't extricate myself from the situation. Um, and as somebody who has been in a really bad car accident and has like driving anxiety anyway, that would be so scary and triggering for me. I would Awful. be like, honestly, I feel my heart rate going up right now being mm-hmm. in a situation like that. That is so abusive. Well, the threat of violence is yes. violence. Yes. 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 I mean, and also, you know, it's the threat of violence. And it's also that very easily could have been an accident. She very oh, yeah. easily could have actually gotten hurt. He's not entirely in control of that situation either. No, right. that's right. That's right. We went directly back home, did not eat or get groceries. I was so furious with him. I ended up telling him I needed some space. And so I went and stayed the night at a friend's house. Smart. When I got back in the morning, we sat down and spoke about what happened. He told me he had thought about unaliving himself the night before. This was something he threatened after most of our arguments, so much to the Uh. point that I was not moved by the statement. And I told him the only way forward was to go to therapy. He had to go for himself I was going to go for myself and the two of us had to go together. We agreed. We decided to move forward and try to be better again. Two weeks later, I asked him to try a meal I had prepared when he only eats like pizza and hot dogs. And I have been on a mission to find something vegetable related that he would like. 
He took a bite of the food I offered and then made a disgusted face. This face went on for a good 30 seconds while I watched. I told him, you know, that's pretty disrespectful. You don't have to make a face like that. You can just say you don't like something. Right. He huffs at me, walked away, went to his computer, and immediately sent me a message through Facebook Messenger. So passive aggressive. That's a whole nother level of... of What? This is a 38-year-old... Grow up, man. 38. 38. Yeah. Motherfucker. Oh. So I march into the room he was in. What we're not going to do is we're not going to send petty messages over Facebook. That's not okay. If you have something to say, just say it. He slams his hands on the table, yelling that he walked away from me for a reason, which is fine. If you don't, if you need a second to collect your thoughts, use your that's words. Fine, but use your words. Yeah, you, you can also say, "Give me a minute." I, you can also say, "I give me a minute. I need a second. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I need a minute." He got up from his desk chair and ran at me across the room with his fist raised. Absolutely not. I put one hand out to prevent him from getting close, and he decided to grab my arm, and uh-uh. I'm not really sure what he was trying to do to be honest eventually he let go and i ran away from him not long after he followed me with his phone camera on yelling at me that it was my fault for instigating him and being a bitch and that i touched him first so therefore he was justified in his actions i was sitting down at that point crying and i told him if he was so angry we had a punching bag in the house his response while videotaping himself was if you didn't want to be treated like a punching bag you shouldn't <gasps> act like one. What? Wow. No. I just stared at him at that point, then pointed to the, his camera. You really taped yourself saying that. Yeah, cut yourself. And then he ran away from me at that point. I eventually ended up going to the police that day and then to court to file a protective order against him. Police came and removed him from the house we shared. We separated. I removed him from my life. And now at this point, we only see each other when we need a babysitter for the animals we had gotten. She says, I kept most of this from my friends. I'm a very private person, and I generally didn't talk about the negative things. So when this all went down, so many of them were surprised. They told me he seemed so quiet and nice compared to how boisterous I can be. Mm-hmm. Honestly, those types of responses hurt when I heard them. I guess what I hope is that we are all kinder to ourselves and we listen to our boundaries and stick to them. The main reason I'm sharing this is because I truly believe I should have left at the first slap against my arm. I had let myself be talked out of leaving because he was sorry, but he didn't change. He would do well for a time, then something would happen to make him start again. I thought myself lucky because he didn't actually abuse me, but that he was just reacting to me being bitchy and it was something we could work together to be better. Abuse is supposed to result in bruises and blood. So I wasn't experiencing like actual abuse. I've had enough therapy. I know better now. You are responsible for yourself. And when someone uses you to justify their own actions, it's not healthy. That's right. Wow. So, yeah. Mm. Lot, lot to unpack there. And I want to thank for sharing so much. That's a very, very personal story. And I know a lot of us relate to a lot of different aspects of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I know myself, like I didn't experience physical abuse in my own relationship, but those aspects of things that you excuse in the relationship, like mental abuse or, or emotional abuse, that doesn't get better it's like it's so hard to to recognize it in the moment 
And yeah. I, I wish... I wish I had been more open with my friends while it was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Cause I've definitely been in that position as well. And I can totally relate to, um, also just like the psychological manipulation of being with someone who will consistently weaponize their mental health against you where you'll get into arguments or fights or whatever, and they'll bring up, you know, suicidal ideation or or whatever as a way to justify their behavior. And then you feel like you're you manipulated, can't leave yeah. them. Right. Like, That's right. you know, and in, in a way you feel like it's not their fault. They just need help, whatever. If once they get the help they need, we'll go back to being the, the happy couple that we once were, you know. And so mm-hmm. you stay in things for a really long time that are unhealthy. You know, uh, I completely relate to that i've had that happen in my own life so also there's this tendency i think a lot of the reasons why i didn't bring it up to friends things like that happening was because it was embarrassing yeah yeah for sure it was really embarrassing um and at some point i you know with talking through it in therapy was like if you're embarrassed of that kind of behavior, if it's something you're trying to hide, then you know it's bad. You know, right. Yeah, exactly right. You know it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, but because of the good times, I mean, this is, it's so reminiscent of of a situation that I'd been in before where it's like, because you've had good times and, you know, continue to have good times, even That's throughout right. all of the bad stuff, you just think like, okay, well, the good outweighs the bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so we'll get over and it won't be that bad and then things will be good again. Yeah, it's you easy know. To, to make justifications. And then the, that's the cycle of it, right? Because, well, if I've, I've, I've also put myself into the scenario in which I have justified it. So if I'm wrong about that, then I also have to not only admit that this relationship might be bad, but also I was wrong. My judgment was off. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. then you're playing that cycle of like, of of your almost kind of like in your own manipulation yeah. of right. like oh I have to also admit that I made a mistake yep and then that is on a different layer of dealing with the humiliation of your mistake yep not the humiliation of what that person did but now the humiliation of staying in a situation yeah and now yeah. you got to explain to your friends like oh yeah well I'm a dumbass because I stayed in the situation that's it's just it's hard and, and it's hard to get out of that they, they will not. Your yes. friends won't think that because I understand that as well. Like, you know, you do get locked into that. Well, why did I go back? You go into that like shame spiral and that's right. you you think that you're going to be judged. But the truth is like your friends just want you to be safe. They just right. love you and they want you to be in a safe, loving relationship and situation. So right. go to them, go to get some good friends, keep them close, yeah. you know. Yeah, your friends, your friends will support you. And sometimes I think, honestly, like there might be better judges. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. That's right. So when you're in the situation, sometimes having somebody that loves you, an outside person, like when you describe the situation, like trust trust their judgment sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and definitely do. Like I, I, whenever I was in that relationship, I had a friend who like told me because my 
boyfriend at the time left me on my birthday mm. um, at like where we were. And so she had to take me home. And she told me on the way home, she was like, you know, this isn't okay. Like it hasn't been okay for a while. Like the way that he's treating you is not okay. And I could not hear it. And I like went off on her in the car where I was like, you don't understand you're mm. only seeing blah, 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 blah. You don't get it. Like, this is bad and I'm upset, but like, it's not the whole blah, blah, blah. Right. And had to kind yeah. of like go to her later and be like, thank you for telling me the truth. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. even though I was like not in a place where I could hear it at the time. That's because right. those seeds were planted then. And it is it when someone tells you on the outside that they see something, then it's harder to deny it for yourself because That's you're right. like, other people see this too. Yep. Right, yeah. you know, so Gosh. yeah, so true. Oh, it's okay. yeah, you know what? And I think that I hate, I hate the idea of let's normalize blah blah blah. But I think we do have to normalize the idea that it's okay to quote unquote be wrong sometimes. I think a lot of the things that like like it's okay, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to feel like you don't have the answers. It's okay to not like you know, yeah feel like you made the right decision and back out of it. Nothing's too late. It's not too late to work your way out of a Never. situation that you put yourself in. Yep. 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 So that's absolutely Oof. true. Well, well yeah. Well, thank, thank you for you writing for in. Wow. Yes, definitely. Okay. <clears throat> I got my story from Reddit. So back in 2016, when I was 29, I was going to be turning the big 30 that year. I was working at a local gas station. It was the usual kind of day, which included cleaning, checking out people, dealing with the usual entitlement of people who don't seem to know how to gas pump works. You know that kind of day. (laughs) Yes. Anyone who's worked with people. (laughs) Right, right, right. I stepped out to take a smoke break. And as I lit up, this guy approached. He was about six foot tall, slender in build, blonde hair, and a goatee. Very rough, but rough in a good way look to him. Okay. I, I'm picturing Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, I'm seeing it, but like, <laughs> nice. yeah, like a, a slimmer Charlie Hunnam. I like it. Which is weird because I was picturing Tom Green. Oh, oh no. no. Stop it. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> don't tell me what I was doing. I totally was. <laughs> As in, he was probably had no issue with working outdoors. So kind of imagining, yes, you guys are probably right in the Charlie Hunnam category. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to be about his mid-30s at this time. And to me, he was pretty cute. But there was one problem during my conversation with him after having had having given him a cigarette. Uh, he informs me where he's staying, which, ladies and gents, that was the local unhoused shelter, given he had just appeared in my city. So, in hindsight, it told me that he'd probably come to the city to follow a girl and that that girl probably had booted him out or what for whatever reason. So I didn't show any real interest at the time during the conversation. <laughs> I love how she like came to the like, oh, you're in the shelter. So it must be because you followed some guy because he was wrote new an entire town. story. She had a whole, I'm like, yeah, can't a whole know that dialogue. At all. <laughs> a full, full ass dialogue. So it was perhaps a couple months after our first meeting. And well, he saw me again once more while I was working one of my usual shifts. At this point, we when we talked, he informed me that he wasn't staying where he had been he'd previously, and he now had a job, which was going good for him. Uh, and during the conversation, he'd asked me out for a date. I was surprised and flattered, given being asked out for dates is not something that's common for me. Well, in person, anyway. 
So naturally, I accepted this date and we arranged or exchanged numbers and coordinate the necessary details. During the phone conversation, we set a date, just not a place where we were going, though he informed me that he, I was going to have to come and pick him up where he lived. And before anyone thinks, oh, girl, why? Because I didn't have my own car at the time either, but I did have access to one that I could borrow. So that's what I did. Speaking of the vehicle I borrowed, let me tell you about that. Okay. Because it's a main part of the player in the story. <laughs> this van was one of those older model <laughs> camper style vans. <laughs> I love okay. rolling up on the date yeah. in like one of those giant vans with the curtains. My grandparents had one yes. of those with I, curtains. Yeah, the, the wolves. Yes. <laughs> Big with the doors that swung open, loads of space to, to put people in the back, at least six comfortably. The, the seats could lower for someone to sleep on them if they wanted to go camping. This gargantuan piece of machinery on four wheels <laughs> was hard to drive and barely cornered worth a damn. Let me tell you something, though. I drove my mom's minivan throughout much of high school because yep. it was like the car that was available. Ford and Aerostar. Yes. <laughs> was this car, let me tell you, I might have looked like a soccer mom, but it was like the party mobile, especially yes. because I was the designated driver because I didn't drink at all. So you could cram yeah, don't get it so many fucking people in that yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> it was great. It's like yes. any, it's like a party bus anytime we're going anywhere. Yes. Amazing. I'm for <laughs> it. <laughs> don't get it twisted. All these moms were like, I'm going to get the minivan. No one's going to like it. And every kid, everybody knows the uh -huh. friend whose mom had a minivan that we could party in. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Oh, and I had to hop in to get into the driver's seat. This becomes important. But it was the only vehicle I had access to that I could use. So day of the day arrives. I go to pick him up. He told me to choose and he'd pay. The decision was made on the steakhouse for dinner. So the drive there wasn't too bad. And it was once we got there that the problem rose. Parking this thing and <laughs> the space provided was going to be hard, especially since the parking lot was full. No, you're going to get in an accident. You're going to hit somebody. But there was parking on the side of the street and a space I could maneuver, right? I could park next to that very curb. So tried on my own and couldn't see if I was getting close enough to the curb. So my date jumps out, decided to take a look and see if see uh, like how close she was. Not helpful at all. So I got out to look. And when I did... The van started roll backwards, oh, no. <laughs> which wasn't good because there was a car right between it. I immediately tried to get back into the van. And as I tried to grab the gear shift and knock it into park, remember, I had to hop to get into the car to begin with. Just as I did, my date decided to, quote, try and help. He was on the other side and somehow he hit the gas pedal as I had no. hit the gear shift, which knocked it into drive. I went flying and the van dragged with it before I lost my grip, fell out of the van, to which I felt my adrenaline high. The tires of the van running over my leg. No. Oh, my God. Now, lovely readers, this is where the next word should be. And my leg snapped. But that isn't what happened. Wow. Dude, this would be me. This is me. This is like shit that should have broken me. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, 
Got some adamantium in there or something. <laughs> Knock on some. <laughs> yeah, call me yeah. Mr. Glass. <laughs> Unbreakable. <laughs> the van goes flying and hits some bushes. I laid there on the ground waiting for the telling pain of my leg being shattered, which never came. I slowly rose up like a doe, like doe deer, like mm-hmm. for like steadiness. Like Bambi. Yeah, yeah. But both of my legs were operational. I walked. Nope. Nothing was broken. That's amazing. How? Wow. Right? I immediately sat back down, lit me a cigarette, and tried to get my heart to slow down. Adrenaline spike was still there. At this, someone had called 911 and the ambulance arrived. I was checked out and found to be fine. The EMT, though, had a good laugh at my expense. First date, and this happened. Instead of deciding to go home and ending the date there, I just thought, I might as well just go through with it. I what, mean, what's the worst that can happen at literally. this Literally. I just got run over by <laughs> my by my own van. At least you didn't hit anybody. <laughs> it's true. Just the bushes. <laughs> it was during the dinner that the adrenaline started to wear off and every bit of pain that was being held back burst through and I made a decision to head to the ER. But of course, after dinner was over and the tab was paid, which he paid. Oh, that's good. At least. Yeah. Yeah. At least he paid for dinner. So I drive him back to his apartment, and once we get there, and he's trying to get me to come up and see it. The whole, come on, it'll only take a second, wink, wink, nudge, nudge routine of someone. Sir, I got run over. Thank you. She's like, seriously, she's like, I was run over by a van, left, and you're only thinking about like bringing me up to your I just told you like she's I like, guarantee I'm, you I'm I've never pain. wanted to bang less in my entire life like I literally never no I don't need my my bones and muscles jostled like that right now <laughs> thank you very much so anyway she ends up taking herself to the ER and luckily nothing was broken but I was bruised and extremely sore retelling those in the ER that what happened got some chuckles and snickers and oh my god <laughs> But this author is aware she was indeed the water cooler talk in that department for at least a couple of hours. But the real showing of this guy's nature didn't happen until we had the text conversation, which went something like this. Him. I had a good time. I do look forward to seeing you again. Me. It was nice, but in an effort not to waste your time. I don't want to see you again. I'm sorry. But yeah, I've been thinking on it. And that is the decision I've made. Thanks for the date, though him why not well the events aside you were trying to get me to come up to your apartment aka trying to basically make that seem more appealing than me getting medical assistance and it wasn't cool and it just rubbed me the wrong way him i wanted you to see my apartment you think that you're the only one that was injured my back had scratches on it from trying to help you and was sore and i lost out on work because i was trying to help you not only that, I spent $50 on dinner okay. that I could have used to spend for child care or child support. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bro. Well, <laughs> you should be prioritizing your child support. Why are you? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to put that in the con column for yeah. you. Yeah. Like, exactly. Add it to there. <laughs> yeah. Like, check. She's like, I got fucking ran over by a van. <laughs> He's like, straight up, like, I got my back scratched. My back is scratchy. I spent $50. <laughs> Why won't you sleep with me? Yeah. Right. Oh anyway. God. She was, she ended up blocking him and never saw him again where I worked, which told me that he probably found somewhere else to go. Thank God. 
The universe figured I'd suffered enough via the events in question. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of how I was injured and learned that someone was a possible nice guy in the same breath. I hope y'all enjoyed it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, well, at least I've never gotten run over on a on a date before. <laughs> yeah, that has never <laughs> happened to me. Either. There's that. <laughs> wow. Ooh, uh, well, well, you guys want to take five and then we'll come back with uh, the tainted love. That sounds yes. good. Okay. And we're back. Keegan, you have the tainted love this week. Tell us all about it. I do. Oh, wow. You're using your NPR oh. voice. I like it. Um <laughs> Okay, so I figured since I'm in Missouri, I should tell a Missouri story. Okay. Mm. And this is not a really well-known story. I think it was maybe well-known in the area when it was happening. Um, But most of the information that I was able to find on this, I wasn't able to find any like datelines or any like shows like that. Um, Most of the information was actually from like bloggers. So Mm. I got information from the midwestcrimefiles.com, awesome. a medium.com article, a chillingcrimes.com article, and then a fox2now.com, which was like a local Fox affiliate. Um, so yeah, okay. Jackie Sue Rawson was born in Bonterra, Missouri in 1971, and she was raised in St. Genevieve, Missouri, and she had a pretty typical Midwest upbringing and was close to her parents and her sister, Cheryl. So Jackie met and married James Clay Waller, who was known as Clay, when she was in her 20s. And her family never really liked Clay very much. They thought that he was arrogant and didn't really make an effort with anyone in the family. And her dad would later say that they just thought that he was incompatible with the family. Like very diplomatic wording, very Midwestern wording. I feel like he's incompatible with our family. (laughs) Just isn't jive. It's not, you know, it's not really just, you know, it's not like a puzzle piece, right? It's not, yeah, it's not, it's it's not you. It's just a vibe situation is off, you know? (laughs) It's Um, the worst thing when your like partner doesn't get along with your family or friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think I could do it. (laughs) Yeah, you can still come around. So Clay was a bit socially awkward and had a speech impediment. And this actually like endeared Jackie to him. She had a really caring nature uh, and she was always kind of like standing up for him and helping him out with things. And so she fell into that caretaker role right away with Mm. with Clay, which for me is always like I've been there, done that. And yeah, (laughs) I get I get the fix you. I'm going to try and fix you situation, but that it doesn't ever pan out well. Um, (laughs) So though Clay had done a brief stint with the sheriff's office, he was never able to hold down a job anywhere for long. And Cheryl was the primary breadwinner taking a position as a manager with Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield that allowed the couple to live a comfortable life. So she had a very steady gig um, and was paying most of their bills. Jackie, <laughs> that Triggered. was that was yeah. the loudest huh, I've ever heard. <laughs> spoke a lot, spoke volumes there. Um, Jackie had always wanted to be a mother, and in the early years of their marriage, the couple tried for children but weren't able to conceive, eventually turning to IVF, and on October 14th, 2005, Jackie gave birth to triplets, Avery, Maddox, and Addison. That's a lot. It's a lot. 
No, thank but you. She, but she was stoked. She was overjoyed to be a mother, and she really thought that this was the beginning of her dream family. But even though Clay would talk a lot about how much he loved his kids and he would brag about them and post about them. Um, I'm going to guess he didn't help out that much. Mm-mm, yeah. People near to the family would say that he rarely looked after them or even played with them. Sure. So you don't yeah. even have a fucking job. You, at least you could do is take care of the goddamn Precisely. kids. So here's Jackie. She's working full time to pay the bills and she's taking care of three babies largely on their own. Oh, no, four babies. Oh, you're right. Yep. She's got four kids. Yes. You are right. Largely on her own. Um, and Clay uh, still not able to hold down steady employment. So, yes, she is mothering everyone in this house. So, of course, this starts to wear on you, right? She's exhausted. She's starting to get frustrated. But anytime she would bring this up with Clay, he would begin to gaslight her, insult her. And soon things escalated to not just emotional and mental abuse, but also uh, including a string of affairs, by the way. This this motherfucker motherfucker right here has the audacity, the audacity. (laughs) The big, bold balls on Brad. I know. To literally have your whole life working for you. I, there's a comedian, Ali Wong, who has this, I this love her. bit. This mm-hmm. bit saying like, do you know how much further in my career I would be if I had a wife? <laughs> oh, yes. God, yeah. Somebody you know, at I'm, home pumping me up, yeah. taking care of business. Yes. Dude, I <laughs> like that. All I've got is a fucking husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've also heard it said that like a lot of women who don't want, like women in um, heterosexual relationships who don't want children say like, I would want children if I could be a dad and not Mm, a mom. I believe that because it's, there's so much more pressure on women to do so much more, you know? And there's also this trend on TikTok where they talk about how like women in heterosexual relationships are like, if anything, God forbid ever happens to my husband, I'm, I'm marrying a woman next. Like we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I I would get into a golden girls situation. 100% would love it. I would get a fucking house somewhere. Nice Mm -hmm. weather, somewhere that had a pool and just, Oh God, this whole like being, in a, a relationship again if mm. this one doesn't work out i'm like golden girls no it yeah, let, yeah let's lean let's buy into a house. my b arthur dreams yeah we'll just wear moo's and have midnight yes. margaritas and yes. it'll be amazing i we'll can't get us wait. a nice little place we're gonna get us a nice little place in exactly. uh, uh you know in the desert and we're gonna get us a nice little uh rv I will wear nothing but turbans and yes. floral day dresses. It yes. would be fantastic. I can't wait. Honestly, <laughs> this sounds glorious. Um, okay, so this motherfucker Clay, he starts, you know, he's already being abusive emotionally, mentally. Now he's having affairs. And then it also escalates to where he's actually like getting physical with her. So I couldn't find anything that said that he was actually like hitting her. But like, as we discussed, like anyone who's like grabbing you or in a, in a violent way, especially during arguments and stuff like that. Or even even if they don't touch you, even if they threaten violence right? around you, that is violence against you. Or punch a wall near you. Correct. Yep. Or throw Correct. something at you. Gosh, wow. Like yes. those are those like, are all that's abuse. Mm-hmm. Call it what yep. it is. Yep. yep. I am so, literally uh, having like a therapy moment right now, like yeah. thinking about shit like that. I, yep. I dated guys who punched walls. Yep. That's I and oh woof through things yeah. i dated a thrower yeah mm-hmm. somebody yep. that liked to throw things mm-hmm. yep 
Honestly, how juvenile too. Oh, it's so. And of course, you don't look cool, dude. Like, what do you think you it, look like? You look like a fucking toddler child. throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, you is look what like a it child. Is. I yeah. mean, it is what it is. It's threatening, but it's childish. Yeah. Not that yeah. we need to go too deep yeah. into this, but also it's it's just it's part of our culture and the way that we haven't socialized men to be able to deal with their emotions in a healthy mm-hmm. way that like yes. the only emotion is anger like they yep. can't be like s- sad or like mm, afraid the- yeah afraid like it's just anger they have to go yep. straight to anger because that's all we've been we've given men to deal with you know wow. anyway anyway so jackie began to become so afraid that in december of 2010 she started keeping a journal on her work computer of the threats Clay was making to her. So she, I mean, it was bad. She couldn't keep it at home. She knew she couldn't keep it at home. So while she was at work, she had a document where she kept like a a digital journal. And in her journal, it included things like, I told him I was going to file for divorce. He said that he had a feeling one of us would not be around to watch our kids grow up. He said Mm -hmm. a divorce would be my death sentence. She, um, oh yeah. She then threatened, uh, she then shared that he threatened to take their children to the lake and drown them just to watch her pain. That is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so many people who are like, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? Like, (laughs) yeah, if, if that kind of threat is hanging over you, I, I would be, I would be terrified Mm -hmm. too. not knowing what to do. If someone threatens that against you or your children, it's oh my god yeah um so she told her sister and family that she was scared for her life and the lives of her children so even though she first brought up to clay that she wanted a divorce in 2010 it wasn't until the spring of 2011 when clay lost yet another job and then the couple lost their home that she finally worked up the courage to leave. She took all three children and moved in with her sister, Cheryl. And her sister, Cheryl, had an apartment, but was like, bring your kids, like, yeah. move into my Hit place. Mm-hmm. Come move in. Right. Yep. Don't yeah, care. So, we'll be sleeping on floors and yep, it won't it's be fine. comfy, but it'll be a place to stay and it'll be safe. It's safe. Yep. Yeah. So she moved in with Cheryl and Cheryl's husband and filed for divorce. Clay moved to Jackson, Missouri, and for a time, things seemed to get a little bit better. Communication between the two improved, and they even started seeing other people, and Clay had agreed to the divorce. So at this point, Jackie is starting to relax. She's like, okay, like clearly we've moved on. There's physical distance and space. On June 1st, 2011, Jackie met Clay at the attorney's office to sign their divorce papers and finalize things. So her sister Cheryl said that Jackie was so excited to finally be able to close this chapter of her life and start to build the life she wanted. She's only 39 at this yeah. point. So she's like, the world is your oyster, right? Yeah, she's right. so oh, excited. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're mm-hmm. like, I actually know. <laughs> yes. For a fact. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So after she left the attorney's office, she called her sister to let her know that she was going to drive the hour to Clay's place in Jackson to pick up the couple's five-year-old son, Maddox, who was staying there. So Cheryl had the girls. Maddox was with his father in Jackson an hour away. So she's like, I'm going to go pick up Maddox and then I'll be home right after. So Cheryl waited, but Jackie never came home. And by 7 p.m., Cheryl is frantic right so it's only been a couple hours but cheryl knows the situation Mm -hmm. she's on edge immediately so she calls jackie several times she gets no answer so she calls clay 
And Clay doesn't pick up. She's leaving message after message. She's calling his phone. Um, finally, he picks up and he tells her, I don't know where Jackie is, but if I hear from her, I'll let you know. And then he hangs up on her. So despite only having been gone for a couple of hours, Cheryl knew that something was wrong. So she got in her car. She drove the hour to Jackson. And on her way, like as soon as she gets into Jackson, she swings by the police station. Yep. And she walks into the station and she immediately told the officers, Clay Waller killed my sister. Wow. Right away. And to their credit, the police seemed to take Cheryl seriously from the start. They escorted her to Clay's house, believing that Jackie might actually be in danger. When the officer knocked on the door, Clay told the police that he was with Jackie that day. They had met around 11 a.m. at Walgreens. They went to lunch together, did their own things after that, and then met back up at the attorney's office at 3 p.m. And then he says that she came over to his house to discuss the divorce. They took a nap together. No, they didn't. No, nope. that's not what that happened. That did not happen. Nope. Mm-hmm. Before having an argument, he said it was nothing too serious. It was just a disagreement about the divorce. And during that argument, she stormed off. He then left the house to look for her and grab himself a soda, but was unable to find her. And then when he returned to the house, her car was gone. So he assumed that while he was out, she must have gotten her car and left. Okay. There's that is some- the worst like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's terrible. You, listen, you're going to hate this. I, mean, I know you hate him already, but um, their son Maddox was not with Clay, but was with Clay's girlfriend in Illinois. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So the major case squad was quickly called in to investigate and they find Jackie's car on the interstate with a flat tire Initially, it looked like she must have blown it while driving, only the rim was not bent at all, indicating that the tire was punctured while stationary and that the scene was staged. They also couldn't locate Jackie's keys, cell phone, or purse. Mm. So police knew right away that Clay was the prime suspect, and he quickly obtained an attorney and refused to have his home or car searched. And it wasn't long until they produced a warrant and... When they did, they found blood in Clay's car and on the back of Jackie's car. But when the blood is tested, they find that it is fish blood. And they would later find a video on Clay's phone of him deliberately placing the blood to test authorities. What? Dude, let me tell this man. What? He would play other games, too. He would drive around town taunting police and Jackie's family. He would drive past the houses of her family members and lay on his horn. And he would give obscene finger gestures when he drove past the police who were surveilling him. This man. fucking jaw is on the ground. How is this case not better known? I don't know. Because this is wild. Wild behavior. Audacity. Mm -hmm. Do you know how fucked up you have to be to taunt the family members of somebody who is suffering and worried and missing Mm -hmm. their their sister, their daughter, Mm -hmm. what have you? Yep. Like the lack, the complete lack of empathy. And like, it's obvious that he fucking killed her. So like beyond just being a murderer, like piece of shit wow mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. shows no remorse none none at all 
None. Um, <clears throat> officers soon found Jackie's diary detailing Clay's abuse and threatening behavior and also uncovered a video from the night that Jackie went missing showing Clay thoroughly cleaning his boat. Eventually, the search warrants produced even more evidence. When police initially came to Clay's home, they noticed blood spots in the hallway, which had now been wiped clean. Eventually, they found a carpet covered in blood rolled up in Clay's crawl space, and forensics proved that the blood was Jackie's. And while it was obvious... While it was obvious to investigators that something terrible had happened to Jackie, without a body, they felt like they couldn't arrest Clay. Though they felt unable to make an arrest, family courts agreed that the evidence was compelling and suspicious enough that they gave custody of the triplets to Jackie's sister, Cheryl. That's so good because we read enough stories where they still allow, like, the father custody. It's like that uh, Josh... Uh-huh. Yes. From cold. Yeah. Yes. And it's and I'm like, how do they allow Ugh. if you're being investigated for the murder of that spouse? Yes. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you should not be able to see the right. children. And and there's compelling evidence as well. Yeah. It's not just yeah. like, uh, oh, maybe you know, like there's like real and, compelling evidence here. And he's literally threatened their lives, the children's lives before. Right. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I will say that for this case, it seems like the authorities in this case like did a good job like took it seriously took it seriously Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's a that's the one silver lining i guess right so uh, the courts give custody to cheryl and this sets clay off so he starts threatening her online leaving a message that read in part you are dead i will get you five ten twenty five years from now you have it coming so with that message Clay gave investigators enough to finally arrest him. So they they saw that message and they were like, okay, let's go get him. They picked him up and charged him with the federal crime of threatening Cheryl's life because he put it in writing yes, and threatened thank her you life. very much. Mm-hmm. So he pled guilty to the federal charge and was sentenced to five years in prison. And this allowed investigators the time that they needed to try and scrape a case together against him for what they suspected was the murder of Jackie Waller. Though the case was strong, it was purely circumstantial. And if they went to trial, they feared that it wouldn't be enough. So with the permission of Jackie's family, they offered Clay a plea deal, second degree murder, and a max sentence of 20 years in exchange for telling them what happened that night and the location of Jackie's body. And he agrees. Mm -hmm. So Clay told them that Jackie... Okay, I need you to brace yourselves. Clay told them that Jackie wanted to have sex with him one last time after okay. signing the papers. That, so, uh, this the is, lie detector determined yeah. that that was false. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100. Also, I don't think that he gets to plea out now because he lied automatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, a claim, obviously, that many people from the get-go were like, mm, okay, okay, buddy. Uh, Clay then said that while they were in the kitchen... Their heads accidentally knocked together, That's causing not- causing her nose to bleed. Nope. Lies. That's a lie. And she then, according to Clay, started threatening to tell people that he had beat her up and that she would make sure that he never saw his children again. 
And this threw him into just a haze of rage. And in his rage, he punched her once, punched her one time, and blinded by rage, he impulsively strangled her to death. Okay. This is the story. She wanted to have sex, so she came over. They accidentally knocked heads. She started bleeding. She threatened him that she would take the kids away and say that he beat her. And then in a rage, he punched her in the face and then strangled her. That's 100% how that did not go. Yeah, right. some, some of those things are true. The, the, the only parts that are true, though, are the he strangled her to death. Mm-hmm. Right. And probably punched her in the face. That was so, it. Yeah. Those are so, the only parts that I mm-hmm. believe. So Clay told detectives Jackie was buried under a tree on Devil's Island in Alexander County, Illinois, but was not sure where. He told them that he had used a fertilizer that was known to kill the roots of trees. So when investigators found a dead tree on the island, they dug and after nearly two years, her body was finally recovered. Upon investigation of Jackie's body, it became immediately clear that Clay's story was absolute bullshit. Uh, Jackie had not suffered one punch to the face, but oh. multiple skull fractures and fractures to her, fa- to her face. Um, also, his claim that Jackie came over for sex was at odds with what she had told multiple family members that she was going to collect her son. She didn't know that Maddox was not at the house. Mm-hmm. So no, this is premeditated. The main thing that that clues you in to who he is is that message that he sent the sister. Is that this is somebody that will hold a grudge yep. uh-huh. and will get even? Like two right. years, three years later, mm-hmm. when your fucking guard is down, mm-hmm. right? Make you feel safe, which is what he did. He yep. Made her feel safe, and you know, I'm sure she's thinking like, I have children with this man. I have to co-parent with him. Right. They have a custody agreement and she should feel safe to be able to go pick up her son from his dad's house. Mm. Yeah. And he had done that job of of laying low for a couple of years, like Mm -hmm. enough for her to let her guard down. Yep. Mm. So though Clay made a plea deal that said that he could only receive a max sentence of 20 years, he made another stupid mistake because this man is a fucking idiot. He told police that he had dug the hole on de- what an idiot. He told police that he had dug the hole on Devil's Island the day before Jackie's yep. murder. Premeditated. Right. Premeditated. So, so this meant that things one could not have gone the way his story suggested, which was a um active impulse. Two, he had crossed state lines into Illinois and returned with the intention of harming Jackie. So this meant that he could be charged with a little, like a, a rarely used law under the Interstate Domestic Violence Act, which carries a 35-year sentence. So he pled guilty to those charges as well, and his 35-year sentence will begin after he completes his initial 20 years. So he was given the max on both things. The judge was like, give him as much time as possible. Yep. Um, So he now has a total sentence for the murder of Jackie Waller of 55 years. Good. Jackie and Clay's son, Maddox, who can be seen on video going to Toys R Us with his dad and his dad's girlfriend on the night of his mom's murder, his mom's body was in a trash bin in the back of the truck that they drove to Toys R Us. He gave a statement. um, This is, I'm going to cry. He gave a statement during sentencing. and, And keep in mind, he's only like seven or eight 
during sentencing because he was like five at the time of his mama's murder. So he gave a statement and it it read in part, dear dad, this is Maddox, the son of you. It's just so childlike in the way it's written. Oh my God. You betrayed, you know what you did. You killed our mom. You betrayed your kids. You big fat jerk. I never want to see you again in my entire life. We don't like you anymore. This is the last time you'll hear from me. Okay. Bye. Oh, oh my god! It's just wow. so sad. I am like choked, choked. I up. know my heart, and like, and he calls him a big fat jerk like three times in this statement. I didn't read oh. the whole thing, but it's just it's such a child's way of like those are the strongest possible Word words you come up with. that he has to use, you know. And oh. it's like, oh my heart, my heart. Um. Oh, Jackie's, I know Jackie's funeral was held on the day of her parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And that is the story of the murder of Jackie Waller. Oh, so sad. I know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm glad that you told it, though. I mean, it's it's weird. And we've been doing this now for, gosh, almost four years. We're coming up on four. But it's still amazing to me sometimes about how how closely like our stories and everything like that, like fall into a theme without even meaning. It seems like we planned this dear readers. We do not. I know. We are flying by the seat of our pants (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Improv city over here. And so to have the story shared um, from a listener and to also this is just not to make this like a, a heavy episode or or anything, but I just feel like it's incredibly useful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I hope I hope it shows somebody like a red flag that they have been ignoring for a while, and they choose to, you know, yeah, yeah, n- not ignore it anymore. So, oh. yeah. Mm. Well, well, what are you guys watching, listening? Let's. Let's lighten it up and wrap it up. Well, I finally finished season two of Bridgerton. Yes. I will agree with you. I liked it better than season one. Me too. That's just because I think everyone has their tropes, right? And season one was fake dating, the fake dating romance trope. Mm -hmm. And this was enemies to lovers. And yes, I mean, I think that honestly, they could have built even more tension. I think they got there too fast. I'm like, I think that they should have stretched out that like, ooh, hate tension for like half the season. Personally, that, that heat, I was like, mm, oh, I, I'm getting mm, I'm goosebumps. Like, mm, I'm goosebumps, goosebumps, right because hot. they, there were some hot moments, and and that's the thing, you can do that without showing like. Not that I'm a prude. I liked all the the yeets on sheets from the <laughs> season one and stuff, but I thought this season was hotter. Yeah, yeah. Without even having yep. the sex, I was just like, oh my. God, but man. when they finally do have sex Ooh. and there's and she's having the flashbacks God and they, it's, it's literally one second where they flash back to him going down on her. And I was like, oh, yep, 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 yep. We need more shows like Bridgerton. Honestly, it's I, just, it's I just don't understand. That's what I there's not more like romance novel y kind of shows. Yeah. Shows yeah. for sure. Shows yeah. for sure. Like movies, it feels silly. I like I like the I love the way that they're doing this. This makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It, it it's yeah. I mean right. the thing of it is is that romance novels are like the number one most read 
genre of books right period so yeah. why aren't we having more of this this and as like our entertainment no and what you know we what get i'll be honest reality yeah i know Ugh. i'll be honest like i don't love reading romance novels as much like it's just not my my particular favorite genre to read but i love it in this format just taking kind of like it's it's candy. It's just yes. meant for like a fun consumption that gets a little spicy and that's exciting. And I, I love it. And the only other one that I can think of is like the Outlander series. But that one is so much it's more so serious. Dark. Oh, it's yeah. so dark. Right. And there's so much like SA in it that I'm right. like... I can't yeah. fuck with yes, that. At exactly. All. This is Not just fun. I want classical covers of top 40 songs with yes. violins and cellos. Yes, yes, okay. Yes. I want people doing costumes. the quadrille. Dude, you know they have that thing here in Los Angeles. I kind of want to do the it. The Bridgerton ball? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Bridgerton experience. Honestly, uh, I'd go with you. That'd be fun. That would be so fun, wouldn't it? God. I know there's costume shops in Glendale and Ooh. stuff we could get. Fancy dress. I, I, I kind of want to sew my own. Oh, there you go. Listen, I have yeah. never wanted to wear an empire waist gown more in my life because I, I don't think they're flattering. But when no. I'm watching this show, I'm like, I kind of oh, want right. one. <laughs> they are literally, that is the literally the least flattering thing I think on me. And it just smashes your boobs. Yep. And smashes them like flatten up which is like you know, the weirdest thing it's it's kind of it's kind of similar to like a flapper dress where it's just like it only oh, looks shapeless. good on people who have no curves at all that's right because um, it hangs straight up and down so if yep. you have curves it's it's gonna cling in weird ways but that's i still true. if we go to the bridgerton experience i will buy yeah. a sequined <laughs> a sequined empire, empire waist. waist gown to wear. <laughs> nice. I have been actually listening to a podcast, which I think you guys would love if you haven't listened to it yet. It's uh, called the Los Feliz Murder Mansion. Oh, oh yeah. I know that, that story. Hey, yeah. Hey, but do you? Because that's Ooh. the thing that it breaks down is like, where did this start? Like, what is the story of this house? Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Okay. It's very yeah. interesting and I'm kind of like obsessed. I'm with into it. it. Yeah, I mean that really that house good. is a legend in Los Angeles. Yes. Mm -hmm. That house is such a, a legend. Still like I'm decorated for Christmas. For Christmas. Yeah. 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 Spoiler. Let us have this. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen to it. It's so good. It's okay. actually okay, really fine. because it does like tell you like where all the the yeah, it's just it's so fucking good. Well, I watched uh, the Marilyn Monroe tapes. <gasps> oh, I don't know if mm. I can watch that. I think it's going to bum me out. Yeah, I I actually, I remember, uh, and I don't know if you remember, there was like a time period when I think I was like seventh, eighth grade where like people were getting back into Marilyn Monroe. Yes, or very like much. Or that aesthetic. Yep. Yeah. It was like everyone loved Marilyn when I was in grade school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so true. I I know all the rumors and everything. What bothered me about this documentary is it was a bunch of taped interviews with people that were in her life, so it was all hearsay. Yeah, bummer. do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So it was again. It was the old rumors of Jack and Bobby, and and all of that. Oh, okay. It just felt enough. It and it was all about that, you know. And so I just I felt. I felt icky yeah. watching it yeah. and I feel like it didn't do anything good for poor Marilyn. You, you got to ask yourself, 
is this doing is this good for do we need this i i (laughs) i did not care for it and also i just didn't like it as a documentary like the way that it was done so um if you're a big maryland fan i would say steer clear yeah that's my okay great i think i will yeah yeah well if you guys have something that we should watch or read or you have stories or you want tickets to our live show this week in Austin, go to our one-stop shop of a website. It's myworstatepodcast.com. And we love you so much. Cheers. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.